0: You're listening to the Grace Point Northwest podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and built up in your relationship with Jesus as you hear the preaching and teaching of God's Word. If Grace Point Northwest is not your home church, it is our heart that this podcast will be supplemental and not a substitute to you belonging to a local church in your community. If we can help you get connected to a church in your community, please let us know. Now we hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday gathering. Well, good evening again. My name is Travis. I'm the pastor of Preaching and Theology here at Grace Point Church Northwest. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open up or turn it on to Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, as you leave today, again, feel free to swing by that new here table. We have free Bibles there both in English and in Spanish. And if it is your first time with us tonight, I just want to welcome you again. We want you to know that Grace Point Church Northwest is a church where everyone can come as they are to discover or strengthen a relationship with Jesus, and we're glad you're here tonight. Now, I know tonight there's a lot of excitement in this room. There's many of us, especially kids in this room tonight, that are so excited about what they could be possibly opening up either tonight or tomorrow. Others of us in this room, we're so excited about the treats that we get to eat only during this time of the year, and still there's some in here that are excited about the fact that we're going to see family and friends, we're going to celebrate some family traditions, or maybe you're just excited because you got a break from work. You see, there are so many things, so many good things we look forward to during this time of the year, but there is something greater that we all should be looking for and looking forward to, but the question is, does it really feel greater? You see, if we're honest, each and every year we open up new presents. We get to eat new treats. We potentially get to meet new family members as siblings get married and as children are born. But for the past 50 years, we have watched Linus tell Charlie Brown the same old story of what Christmas is all about. But let me ask you a question. What if it's not just simply a story, but what if it's an actual historical event that took place years ago? And what if it's not just a historical event that took place a few years ago, but what if it's a historical event, a true historical event about the God who created you and me and everyone, everything we see, stepping into the humanity he created on a rescue mission through his son, Jesus, without a scrap of our assistance. You see, what we come here to celebrate tonight is this baby, is this child. And what Matthew wants us to do is to see how Jesus is the greatest gift you and I could receive this Christmas. You see, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, we read this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, and Christ there is not Jesus' last name, okay? But rather, Christ is a title. It means Messiah or anointed one. And so what Matthew says is this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, check it out, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, Matthew tells us that Jesus' birth is both supernatural, but it's also very ordinary. You see, Mary is betrothed to Joseph, which is kind of like an engagement on steroids. The only way you could break a betrothal is through divorce. And typically what would happen is you would be betrothed, then you would be wedded, married, then you would consummate that marriage, and you would move in together to start a family. However, Matthew just shared with us what? That Mary is not only betrothed, but she is with what? Child. And the child she is with wasn't put there by Joseph, but by who? The Holy Spirit. Put yourself in Mary's situation. You have never been intimate with a man, and now you're with child. What would you be thinking? But what about Joseph? What could he be thinking? We're actually going to find out here in just a minute what he was thinking. But for now, it's almost as if in this one verse, Matthew wants us to know that this baby we come here tonight to worship, this Jesus, and we can't miss this, Matthew is telling us this Jesus we worship is both fully God and fully man. He is God and a human body. You see, there was nothing extraordinary about the delivery of Jesus, the actual physical birth of Jesus. It was a holy night. We just sang it, but it definitely wasn't a silent night. I've watched three children come into this world, and it was anything but silent, Right? Each one of those children cried, and they cried all night long. You see, Jesus entered this world surrounded by family and animals, and he too would let out a cry. Jesus was born just like us. And just like any normal baby, Jesus filled up some diapers, and he had to learn to walk, and he had to learn to talk. And as he grew, he would experience what we do as humans. Think about it. Jesus physically experienced what it was like to be hungry. Jesus physically experienced what it was like to be in pain. Jesus physically experienced what it was like to to be tired. But Jesus also learned like you and me. He learned the Galilean equivalent of mama and dada, right? He learned as other humans learn, but emotionally, Jesus would feel like we feel. Jesus laughed. Jesus cried, not just at his birth, but we see in John 11, he cried at the death of his friend, Lazarus. And we see that Jesus also knew what it was like to have a troubled soul. Why is all this important? Well, here is why. You and I come here tonight to worship a God who is not immune to what it's like to experience this world. God knows what it's like. Christmas is telling us that the Savior, the Christ child we come here tonight to remember can fully identify with us because he understands and is familiar with our struggles. He's familiar with our pain. He is familiar with our suffering. But we can't miss the fact that though he is man, we also see very clearly that he is what? He is God. We see twice in this text that Jesus is from the Holy Spirit, which means that the Holy Spirit is the one who took the preexistent Jesus and made a human body. You see, Jesus was incarnate, and then he moved into the neighborhood, Bethlehem to be exact, all by the power of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Incarnation simply means this. The past few weeks, it's been unusually cold here in Las Vegas, Right? And I don't know about you, but when it's cold outside, what I like to eat is chili. Now, I don't just like to eat chili, I like to eat chili con carne. Why? Because chili con carne glorifies God in the way regular chili does not. What's the difference between chili and chili con carne? Chili con carne is chili with what? Just say it, meat. In the same way, the Holy Spirit is the one who put meat on Jesus, if you will. Bones, flesh, a brain, a heart. And Jesus not only displayed that he was human, but as he walked on this earth, he healed the sick, he multiplied the fish and the loaves, he raised the dead, and he also forgave sin. You see, what the virgin birth is telling you and me and everyone we see is that salvation isn't about what you and I must do to get to God. Salvation is about what God has done to come to us and to bring us to himself without a scrap of our assistance. Now, up to this point, Joseph knows nothing about this. What is he thinking? Well, Matthew tells us. Look at verses 19 and 20. It says this. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for what." For that which is conceived in her is from who? The Holy Spirit. You see, it's not uncommon as we come to the Christmas story to completely forget about Joseph. Poor guy, okay? We just kind of speak about him in passing, but Joseph is so important. And there's two reasons why. One, because of his family. Second, because of his faith. You see, when we think of Joseph's family, we think of his ancestry and his lineage. And if we were to get on Ancestry.com or 23andMe and put in Joseph's name, what we would see is that his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was this guy by the name of King David. And that's a big deal. Why? Well, in 2 Samuel 7, God makes a promise to David that one of his descendants is going to be a king who rules in an eternal kingdom. And by bringing Jesus into this world, what God is doing is making a promise, but he's also keeping a promise a promise he made to David that there would be an eternal king in his lineage who would rule and reign. But we also see because of who Joseph is and his connection to David as one of his ancestors, he is qualified to serve as Jesus' adopted father. But what we also see in this text is not just his family importance, but we also see his faith. Think about it. I can't even imagine what Joseph must have been feeling at the news that Mary was pregnant. Imagine he probably felt betrayed, lied to, you know, basically he he just knew something had to be wrong. Most of us would, right? But we see Joseph's character in the fact that though he might have been feeling this way, we see what he's thinking. And what is he thinking? He's thinking divorce. But notice the way in which Joseph was planning this divorce. Even with the possibility of betrayal and hurt, Joseph didn't want to bring Mary to public shame. He didn't want to do it. Oftentimes in our culture today, when relationships break up, we immediately go online to our social medias and we go from relation, in a relationship to single. Right? We go through and we search all the pictures to delete ourselves with whoever that person was with, or we were with, and then we go and we try to just put out the story of what happened, to our side. Why do we do those things? Because we got a, re- a reputation to keep up. But not so with Joseph. He did not want to bring any more shame on Mary than was already there. And because he was a just man, he made up his mind that he was going to break up the relationship in the most discreet way possible. However, before he goes and divorces Mary, the text tells us that he goes to sleep. And while he's asleep, an angel of the Lord shows up to him and basically tells him, Joseph, calm down. This child that Mary has within her is no ordinary baby. Go ahead and take Mary as your wife. But also, there is a name that I want you to give this child. And it's in this name that we see why tonight is the greatest night of all nights. It's in this name we see why this this night, this gift that God has given us, is so much greater than what's under the tree. It's so much greater than what we're going to eat. It's so much greater than who we're going to see Look what it says in verse 21. It says this, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Names are extremely important. I have three kids, and each of my children, their full names mean something. My son's name means faithful, bold, young warrior. My old eldest daughter, her name means journey devoted to God. And my youngest daughter, her name means princess devoted to God. Those were some of the prayers we prayed over our children as they were in my wife's womb. They describe a purpose. My name, Travis, just simply means crossroads. And my mom will tell you most of my life I was at a crossroads having to choose between good and evil. And it didn't always work out. (laughs) The angel tells Joseph to take Mary as his wife and to name the boy in Mary's womb what? Jesus. And what does Jesus mean? The Lord saves. You see, with that name, Christmas is telling you and me that the salvation we long for has come into this world. All of us in this room tonight, we long for salvation. All of us in this room tonight want someone or something to restore and heal us. We know this world is broken, that things aren't as they should be. And sadly, because many don't realize the actual problem, they tend to look for insufficient saviors. How would you answer this question? How would you fix what is wrong with the world? Right now, think about it. You know this world is broken. How would you fix it? Almost immediately, our minds go to politics. Our minds go to education. Our minds go to social causes. I can remember years ago asking this guy what he thought the problem was in our city. You know what he said? People don't respect each other. They don't have empathy for one another. And I asked him, I said, well, how would you fix that problem? And you know what his answer was? Schools. Just get better schools. If we can just get better education, then everything will be fine. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There's nothing inherently wrong with education. There's nothing inherently wrong with politics or or social causes. All I'm saying is this. They're insufficient saviors. I would argue you and I are more educated than ever before. And I know for a fact we're more political than ever before. And we have jumped into more social causes than ever before. And we're just as broken as ever before. Matthew has told us that Jesus, the Savior of the Lord, if you will, has not come to fix our educational problems. He has not come to fix our social justice problems. And he has not necessarily come to fix our political problems. He has come to fix what? A sin problem. All of us in this room have a problem with sin. But what is sin? That's a great question. Tim Keller writes it like this. This is what he says. Sin isn't only doing bad things. It's more fundamental, fundamentally making good things into ultimate things. Sin is building your life and meaning on anything, even a very good thing more than God. Whatever we build our life on will drive and enslave us. Sin is primarily idolatry. Each and every year, we have the privilege and the opportunity to pay our taxes. And some of you are like, Merry Christmas. Thanks a lot for bringing that up, right? But think about it. If somebody cheats on their taxes, what would you call them? Some of us in this room would almost instantly just say, they're a sinner. That's why they did that. And I would agree, yes, that is a sinful activity. But what is the root? What is the actual cause behind it? Could it be that the root is making money? And through the accumulation of money, this man gains a status or a comfort that is more important to him than God and his favor. You see the problem that Jesus has come to deal with in this world is sin. And every single person in this room, every single person in this city, every single person in this nation and in this world, because of the sin in their life has been separated from God. All of us in this room have made someone or something into a godlike status making them the ultimate Lord in our lives. And because we have done that, it's put us at rebellion with God. And the book of Romans, the apostle Paul writes it like this. He says in Romans 3.23, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do you know what the Greek word is for all? It's all. It literally means all. That's all it means. And who is in the all? You, me, and every single person we see. We have all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. And what do we deserve? Romans 6.23 says it like this, for the wage of sin is what? Death. You see, a wage is what you earn. And because we have chosen sin and chose alienation from God, we deserve death. We deserve so much worse than coal in our stocking. We deserve to be separated from God forever. But the next word in this text, I love to death. Because what follows this word is oftentimes good news. You see, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but listen to what part B says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You've got to love the big butts of the Bible because the big butts of the Bible cannot lie. And some of you are like, sir, mix up. Anyway, listen to me. What usually follows the but in the scriptures? Good news. And what is the good news that we have come here to celebrate tonight? Emmanuel, God with us. You see, by sending Jesus, God has come to save us for our sins. How? Well, the essence of sin and idolatry is man substituting himself or something else for God, but the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Let me say it again. The essence of sin is man substituting himself or something else for God, but the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. You see, the baby would grow. This Jesus would grow to live a perfect life. But he would also die on a cross, not just for you, but instead of you, so that believing in him, you could be reconciled to God. You see, the glorious good news is the fact that God did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And that is come down from the mountain, if you will, pick us up and take us to the top back to him without a scrap of our assistance or without us even having to take a step. This is what we celebrate tonight. When I decided to marry my wife, Jess, I did not send somebody else to do it. Why? Because in matters of love, one must go themselves. And with the incarnation of Jesus, we see God coming in love to do what you and I can never do. And that is bring us back into a relationship with him. C.S. Lewis says that fallen man is not simply an imperfect creature who needs improvement. He is a rebel who must lay down his arms. And when the love of Jesus comes into our lives, you and I will joyfully lay down our crowns before him. And that is an amazing gift. We see Joseph's faith in these next few verses. Check out what it says. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. You see, here we see Joseph's faith in action. He just heard about the salvation that is to come. So what does he do? He does everything the angel commands him to do. He takes Mary to be his wife, even though it's gonna cost him his reputation. He shows self-control by not being intimate with her until she has given birth. And then he does what? He adopts Jesus by giving him the name, the angel said, Jesus, the savior of the world. You see, what Christmas is telling us is that you and I could not get to heaven on our own. So God had to come for us. And joyfully in Jesus, God has come for us. And the question is, are you, have you received it? Are you in awe of it? On December 5th, 2019, many of us watched and heard again Linus tell Charlie Brown what Christmas is all about. For over 50 years, a Charlie Brown Christmas has aired on TV And one of the things you might remember about this kid named Linus is that Linus went and did not go anywhere without his what? His blanket. It was his security blanket. Throughout the Peanuts cartoon, you see the characters constantly try to get Linus to discard his blanket to no avail. However, in a Charlie Brown Christmas, we see that Linus drops the blanket. Charlie Brown yells, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And with that Linus begins to recite Luke chapter 2. He says this, the angel of the lord said to him, fear not for behold i bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people for unto you is born this day in the city of david a savior who is christ the lord. As those words fear not came out of Linus's mouth, you know what he did? He dropped the blanket. See, only time you'll ever see him discard his blanket. Why did he discard his blanket? Because Christmas is telling us we can drop our sources of false security and cling to the true source of hope, and his name is Jesus. Jason Soruski says it like this, the birth of Jesus separates us from our fears. The birth of Jesus frees us from the habits that we are unable and unwilling to break ourselves. The birth of Jesus allows us to simply drop the false security we have been grasping so tightly and learn to trust and cling to him instead. Who's going to go home and watch Charlie Brown's Christmas now? I probably will. Many of us come in here tonight, and we're holding on to blankets. We're holding on to a false sense of security, thinking that our salvation, our hope, and our joy is going to be met in this. And God knew that that's not going to help you. What is it going to do? It's going to enslave you. So what did he do? He sent the best gift you and I need, and that's Jesus who helps us to let go of those sayings that are fearful, to cling to Him and to His hope. What a gift. Do you know that gift? Let's pray.